Hey y'all, this is the Apartment Investing Podcast with Micah Blanc, episode 132. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey there, my name is Michael Blanc. I'm the host of the Apartment Building Investing Podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today. Today on the show, I have Larry Goins. He is a veteran of real estate. He's got like 30 years of real estate investing experience. He's done all kinds of stuff. And he's a speaker worldwide. He's written several books. He's the host of the Bragg Radio Network. And you definitely need to check out his podcast. It's uh, short for Be Rich and Generous. Really, really great guy. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things about different strategies, especially around mindset. He's seen so many things. He's worked with so many students. So I really wanted to pick his brain. So I'm really excited to have him on the show today. It's been a while to get him there. Now, I just want a quick reminder before we do that. Our Dealmaker Live conference is happening just in a short period of time, November 2nd through 4th, Washington, D.C. It's at themichaelblanc.com forward slash event. And we're almost at capacity. So if you want to see how real live deals are done, it's called Dealer Maker Live. It's all about the deal. So we're going to have people presenting their deals and what they've done, how they found them, how they got the financing, how they raised their money for it. There's going to be a ton of networking. There's going to be a ton of passive mm-hmm. investors, a ton of money raisers in the room. So it's all about mm-hmm. the multifamily deal. If you want to do your first one, you have to be there. If you've already done one, you want to scale the business up, you're going to learn how to do that by partnering and JVing and raising more money. So it is a must-attend event November 2nd through 4th in Washington, D.C. Go to themichaelblanc.com forward slash event. Okay, awesome. Now let's get right into the show with Larry Goins. Here we go. Larry, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? How you been? Hey, man, pretty good. I'm so excited to have you finally on the show because you've done so many real estate shenanigans and I, <laughs> I just I just can't wait to dig into it, man. So I love thanks it, for man. being here. I love it. I hope I can live up to that awesome intro you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to ask, because it's been so probably so long time. But how did you get started in real estate? Like what, what was going on in your life where you said, oh, I know real estate? You know, what's funny is All my life, I really wanted to be successful. I wanted to do my own thing. I mean, when I was a kid, man, I used to go to the flea market and sell stuff at the flea market. There was a sawmill down below our house. We would get all kind of old steaks and we would cut them up and bundle them up and go sell them at the flea market as tomato steaks, right? And my dad would even have to take us to the flea market, right? And so I just always wanted to be in business for myself. I've painted cars, I've reconditioned cars, I've built houses, I've got my contractor's license and I built a house. I'd never built a house before, didn't know how to read a set of plans or anything. I drew up my own set of plans. I built a house, I bought a lot, I built it. My mom loaned me the money and I sold the house and I made a small profit on it. I couldn't believe that. Man, I've done just about any kind of real estate. I'm the kind of guy that don't tell me I can't do something because in two weeks it'll be done, right? (laughs) (laughs) You are a consummate entrepreneur. I'm kind of jealous because I was never surrounded by entrepreneurs ever until I was like in my, you know, 30 years old. I didn't even know it existed. You can be an entrepreneur. And here you are selling lemonade and, you know, whatever and doing some really, (laughs) really cool stuff. Now, of all the things you could have done with yourself, why did you decide to kind of stick with real estate? Well, you know, I um, years, years ago, 
my dad passed away in 1984 and I bought my first house in 1986, right? And my mom and I went to a seminar. It was a Tom Vu seminar. I don't know if you remember that guy. He was on an infomercial and we went to the preview. Then we went to the three day. Then after that, I got my real estate license. I got my contractor's license. But everything I read about real estate, there was so many different ways to make money, right? I mean, you can do wholesaling, retailing, lease options, subject to short sales, seller financing. You can do commercial, multifamily, triple net lease. You can buy mobile home parks. You can rent the lots out or you can buy and sell the homes. There's so many different things you can do with real estate. And as you learn and as you evolve, you decide what you want to do, what you don't want to do and what you like and what you don't like. And after 30 years, I only have three things in real estate that I absolutely hate, right? That's what that's are those <laughs> short sales. I hate short sales and I hate rehabs and I hate tenants, right? Unless you had a property manager, like the way you do it, the way you do it, man, it's phenomenal. You're not dealing with tenants, trash, termites, and toilets, right? But most single family investors, they're dealing with that as a landlord. Now, that doesn't mean I don't like cash flow. I do lease options and seller finance deals, right? But I hate tenants as a general rule. That's awesome. So, all right. Well, so I was going to ask you next what your favorite strategies are now. So talk a little bit about the seller financing and some of the uh, lease options. How is that working for you in your business? Because you built a substantial investing business as well as an educational business around it as well. So what really excites you? What are those things? How do they work for you? I love the cash flow, but I don't like tenants. So I do lease options or seller financing. I have a little model I call filthy riches. You buy dirt cheap houses. We're buying houses, five, 10, 15, 20, 30, $40,000, right? And then we're selling them as is with owner financing or doing a lease option, right? And we're getting triple digit returns. Now, it doesn't mean it's 100% passive, okay? You know this being even in multifamily, there's no such thing as 100% passive, right? I agree. I've heard you say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, even in multifamily, and I think anyone who thinks that is probably misguided. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But I'll give you an example. We might buy a house for, say, $30,000. We turn around and lease option it or sell or finance it for, say, $69,900 we'll get about $5,000 down. So now we have $25,000 in the deal and it's bringing in $600 a month and that's a decent return on your money. And a lot of people say, yeah, but what if they stop paying? Well, that's actually the best thing that can happen if they stop paying because you get the property back and you get another $5,000 down and now you have $20,000 in it. You do that four more times and you got nothing in it, right? Yeah. yeah. That's great. I mean, I did a little bit of that. And uh, what you've done, you've systemized this business. And I think you can do that with a lot of different businesses. And multifamily certainly is one. I think the system is kind of more built into the model. But, you know, there's rehabbers who have built systems where they're essentially 100% passive. And you've done it with the lease options and the seller financing. What are some ways that you system that someone can systemize that kind of business so that they can actually achieve more of a passive lifestyle that we're all looking for with real estate? 
Great, great question. Well, first of all, I think I want to distinguish between a lease option and seller financing, right? With seller financing, you can do a mortgage, a deed of trust, depending on what state it is, or a land contract. You can do a land contract in every state except Texas, okay? And you can't do a lease option more than six months in Texas as well, right? But as a general rule, if the house is what we call fit and safe, in other words, if I bought a house and the water heater is out, has no hot water, I cannot enter into a landlord-tenant relationship, right? It has to have hot water. So I'm going to have to either fix the water heater or sell it on a land contract or seller financing if I'm in Texas. So first of all, if the house is fit and safe, we're going to do a lease option model because that way it's a simple eviction to get them out. And we can still get the three to 5000 sometimes $10,000 down. It just depends on the deal, right? So that's one kind of a system we have. If the house is fit and safe, we can enter into a landlord-tenant relationship, then we're going to do a lease option on the property, okay? Does that make sense? It does, and I just love the creative things that we can do with real estate, and there are people who can buy multifamily every once in a while and seller financing or seller and seller financing. I mean, we're getting a deal right now where the owner is seller financing to not have a taxable event and to have income into their retirement. So it is right. it is possible. And so learning these techniques, even from my house flipping days, are really useful to know what a lease option is, uh, even a master lease. It's the same principle. So I just love the kind of different strategies that you can do. I mean, so what is your advice to kind of a brand new investor, right? They're thinking, and like you said, there are so many different strategies out there to like confuse, you know, you talked about, it. I mean, what is your advice to someone who's trying to figure out what should they do? Well, first of all, and I've heard you say this before too, the first thing they need to do is get education, like watching podcasts like yours, right? And get education. But you can't confuse the free education with having a coach or a mentor as well. You know that. I mean, on your podcast, there's only so much information we can give away for free. Not that we don't want to, but... You need tools, you need systems, you need processes, you need a CRM, you need a lot of different things, you know, in your toolbox to work with, right? So podcasts are great, blogs are great, YouTube is great, just like you have students that pay you a lot of money, but look what you've taught them to do. I mean, they own hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of units now, and they might have never done that unless they got that close to you. So I tell people, it's real simple. Find somebody you know, like, and trust, and get as close to them as you can, even if you have to buy your way in. That's really good advice. And that's advice I did not follow with my restaurant escapades that cost me millions. Because I had so much money at the time, I was like, oh, I don't need a mentor. I'm the guy, right? And that was a major mistake that cost me a lot of money. And I even talked to someone three weeks ago who lost $23,000 on a multifamily deal that didn't close. I was like, John, what happened? And he said, you describe what happened. He goes, oh, gosh, you did that. What else happened? And he told me, I was like, oh, my goodness. He was making mistake after mistake and after mistake. Yeah. And and then it takes you a lot longer to get to the point. So that's a really good point you make. And there are literally different ways you make money. You can find a strategy. You can mobile home parks, uh, flipping houses. I mean, you can set up a business any way that you want. 
and look at the landscape, see what kind of resonates with you. And then I think I like your advice about finding someone you really resonate with right. and then getting as close as you can to them. And I've paid people as well. I mean, I want to hang out with, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, let's say. Okay, well, he's not just going to hang out with me. I might have to probably buy one of his programs, attend one of his events, right? Maybe join his mastermind. And so, and that's how you do it. And that's when things, in my experience, accelerate. You open up new, new experiences uh, and new contacts. See, I'm a firm believer that when you do that, you're going to love this. When you pay somebody that's been where you want to go, you're basically buying wisdom without the weight, right? You're buying wisdom without the weight because education is something you learn. Wisdom is the experience you go through, yeah, right? That's right. And that's a huge difference. Wouldn't you agree? I totally agree. Yeah. And by the way, it is hard to find a mentor that's unpaid. You just don't get the attention. You don't get the information at the time you need it. So it's spot on. Now, some people have done it, uh, but it's very difficult and very rare. So that's a really good, really good advice. Is It's like, you know, the, it's like your guy that lost $23,000. He could have take that, taken that 23000 and given it to you, and, and he wouldn't have even spent the time on that deal that he spent. You would have probably told him, that's not a deal. Move on to something else. Yeah, the coaching would have been a lot cheaper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'd have come out a lot cheaper and he would have had a lot more money by now. Yeah, right? yeah that, that's right. Now, so what other advice do you have for kind of a new person? I mean, I think education is certainly a very, very important. And no matter what strategy you do, whether it's mobile home parks, multifamily, lease options, well, you've got to know what you're doing. Uh, aside from that, any other advice you have for someone who really wants to get started with a strategy? Sure, Absolutely. I think the key is education is great. We love education, but education is not application. Education is not implementation. I was talking to a guy the other day. He has like two pages worth of courses that he's bought. I bought this course, this course, this course. I've been to this seminar, this seminar, this seminar. I mean, it was a whole list of stuff, right? And I said, well, you know, that sounds pretty good. Let me ask you a question. How many houses have you bought? Or how, how many investments have you made? Well, I haven't done any yet. You know, these courses don't work. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> courses don't work. You have to work them. So let me ask you this question. How many offers did you make last month? Mm. Well, I didn't make any offers. Well, let me ask you this question. What chance do you think you had of buying a house last month? Approximately. <laughs> Approximately. <laughs> Zero offers, right? Mm. So he got it. And he signed up for my partner program. And he's paying me a lot of money, by the way. He signed up for my partner program. And I spent an hour on the phone with him on Saturday, getting all his systems and processes in place, right? And he's thanking me for somebody is finally giving me application, implementation, right? Where I've been getting education, right? Education is great. You got to know what is a short sale in your business? What are rubs? What is cap rate? All that stuff. you got to know that, right? But just knowing it is not enough. You've got to apply it. Now, what do you think compels someone to take action and the other person not? I mean, statistically, 90% of people that attend a course or a seminar go home and resume their life as if nothing happened. Why do some people take action in that way and others don't? It's funny you mentioned that. Because at my events, I do some three-day events. And at my events, I tell people that. I say, look, 99% of you guys, when you get home, guess what's going to happen? Life, 
right? And you're going to go back to doing the same thing. Don't let this be just another seminar you've attended. You've got to make some change, right? You've got to make some change. So to get back to your question, what makes one person take action over another? Well, there's different kinds of motivation. Some people are pleasure motivated and some people are pain motivated. Pleasure motivation is going to be, I want to drive a new Lambo or I want to buy a Rolex or I want a house in the mountains or whatever. Some people are pain motivated. Pain motivated is if I don't make some money by the end of the month, I'm on the street. <laughs> That's pain motivation right there. So you need to really kind of figure out what you are. Do you set goals? Do you set plans? Do you have a list of things that you want to get? Some of it needs to be material, but it's not about the material stuff. But some of it does need to be material. But some of it could be college education for your kids. It could be paying off your parents' home for them. You know, your spouse being able to quit work. It could be all that stuff. So you need to find out, are you pleasure motivated and are you pain motivated? What's the stronger one? And if your motivation is not strong enough, what can someone try to do to get to that point so that they actually take action? Well, on the pain motivation, it's got to be rock bottom, mm. right? Where is rock bottom? And sometimes when it's people we care about, we don't want them to hit rock bottom, right? Mm. In business, if you're in business, and you know this, you've gone through some challenges. You know, you've told me the pizza business story before. When you go through that, sometimes you have to accelerate the splat, right? I heard that term one time, and I've never forgot it. If you're going through a challenge where maybe you're losing money at, at a fast rate, and you don't really know what to do, and you got a lot of overhead or whatever, or you're trying to make things happen, you got to accelerate the splat. What happens when, at the splat? It's over. You start over, right? In business, you got to accelerate the splat. And a lot of times we just tend to drag things out and it makes that splat so much longer until we get to it. But you got to accelerate that splat and then move on. And you just got to make a decision and go for it. And there are people out there that need daily motivation, daily encouragement. Some people need to be micromanaged. And that's just the way it is. And that's what having a good coach or mentor like yourself or me or, or whoever, you know, that's why having a good coach or mentor will help you do. Well, I agree. I mean, it's, it's an accountability piece. And it's also, you know, not every day is going to be great. I mean, some you have your up days and your down days. And what I found is you have a couple of down days or let's say you have a bad experience, right? Something goes wrong and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm done with a strategy and they quit three feet before the gold versus leveraging that experience that they had uh, to actually catapult them to the next level. I mean, did you have an experience like that where maybe you experienced some failure and it was kind of a difficult time for you, and, but it shaped who you are? I think so. One of the things that I really wanted to do, my dad passed away in 1984 and he had lung cancer and my mom always seemed like she struggled and I really wanted to help her. And I also wanted to be able to make it right on my own and not be a burden to my mom. And fortunately, before my mom passed away two years ago, I was able to get her a condo, a townhouse close to where we live. So she was around the grandkids. We took her on a trip. I remember four or five years. Well, it's been about 10 years ago. She told my wife, there's two things I want to do before I die. 
I want to go to Hawaii and I want to go to Alaska. Oh my goodness. Guess what my wife arranged for us to do that summer, Mm. Hawaii and Alaska. And we took my mom and we'll never forget it. So yeah, I think there are people in your life that you want to, you know, do things for and you want to help and you want to not be a burden to them or you want to be able to help them and change their life. So yeah, doing it for yourself is good, but you got to look at a bigger picture. That's why like one of my podcasts, I do two podcasts and one of them is called brag radio. Brag stands for be rich and generous. We want to teach people how to be rich, but we also want to encourage them and teach them how to be generous and help others and be a blessing to others, whether it's with your time or with your money. It's an interesting uh, thing that you brought that up, be rich and be generous. What needs to come first, one or the other? Well, you know, back when I was young, I was very young and foolish, right? <laughs> I used to say the best thing you can do for the poor people is not be one of them. But I've grown as a person since then, right? That was in my 20s. I'm 57 now. That was in my 20s. So I've grown. But for those who much is given, much is expected. You've got to help others when you're in a position to help others. Just like one little thing we're doing right now, we've got about seven or eight computers out here that we don't use anymore. We're taking them over to this local place called Renew Our Communities. And it's a day uh, shelter for homeless people, right? So we're going to provide them with computers because some of the only communication they have with family members is when they come to this day shelter and can get online and communicate with relatives. And they said, oh, we desperately need computers. We only have a couple of computers and people are waiting in line. So I think it's very, very important that you don't look at just yourself because when you're self-centered, you know, it's not a good place. And people who are depressed and people who are down, you know, they're looking too much at their self. If you look at other people and say, yeah, this is happening to me, but wow, look what's happened to this person. I don't have a job, but this person doesn't have a job and they can't see. So they're even further limited. So when you look at others, it takes the focus off yourself. And I think that's important. Yes, I agree. Now, I saw that your, your motto on your website, you have a motto. It says people and principles before profits. What is that all about, Larry? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked that. I wish I could say I coined that or I wrote that. I got it from Truett Cathy. Have you ever heard of Truett Cathy? Yeah, the uh, Chick-fil-A guy. Founder of Chick-fil-A, yeah. the only fast food restaurant closed on Sunday. That should tell you something right Amazing there. business. I've studied it, believe right. me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So I wish I could say I coined that phrase. I didn't, but I'm a firm believer in that phrase, and we love that, people and principles before profits. And the follow-up to that is when you do that, everybody profits. Well, give me an example of this principle in action. I mean, so use this principle to make certain decisions in your business or your life just something that you think of where, where that principle came into play at the detriment, possibly at profits? Sure, sure. I'll give you a prime example. We also do some lending, right? We do hard money lending, private money lending. We also wholesale a lot of properties. Let's say we're on the phone with somebody that says, here's my model. I want to do fix and flips. I want to do fix and flips. That's what I want to do. So sell me a house that's a fix and flip or loan me money on a fix and flip. Well, let's say they bring a deal to us and they want us to loan money on it, but it's not a good fix and flip. The ARV is less than 100. It's not in a really good fix and flip neighborhood. Now, I could make them that loan, 
and I could make points and interest on that loan. But if it's not really going to help them, mm. I should advise them and say, look, I'm pretty sure you told me your strategy was fix and flip. If you try to fix and flip this house, you're probably going to be sitting on it for a while. Yes, I'm going to make more interest on the money, but it's not going to be a good fix and flip for you. And it's going to give you a bad taste in your mouth for fix and flips. And when it's hard to sell that property, you might give up and not do more real estate. So let's hold off on this deal and let's wait on a good fix and flip property. And the same thing, whether we're making a loan or actually selling a property to somebody, you know, I've had people that say the same thing. I want to fix and flip. And if they inquire about a property that's a rental type property, we'll not sell it to them unless we tell them specifically, look, this is not a fix and flip property. You're going to be sitting on it for a long time. It's going to be hard to sell. If you want to keep a house as a rental, that's one thing. But if your goal is to fix and flip it, this is not the house for you. That's just a couple of small examples. Yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect, right? Because you're, you're actually making less money when you do that in the short term, though I think in the long term, I think it says something about you and your brand. And I think over the long term, it makes more people want to do business with you because of that. But I think in the short term, when you stick to principles like that, it hurts you financially. That's been my experience as well. It can hurt you financially. However, I believe people should do business with people who are relationship driven versus transaction driven. I might make a few bucks on that transaction, but they're not going to come back to me to get another loan or to buy another house. Yeah. So long term, it's worse than making that money transactionally right then and there. Now, you're a pretty successful guy. You've done a bunch of stuff. I mean, you don't need to be doing what you're doing. What makes you get out of bed every morning? I love the chase. I love the thrill. I enjoy it. I actually, I know this is going to be hard for you to believe <laughs> or understand, but I actually still get on the phone with sellers, right? I negotiate deals. I negotiated the deal just yesterday where I bought a house, $30,000, no money down, 20 year financing at 5% interest, Man. no money down, right? The art of the deal. You love the art of the deal, I can tell. And you also like uh, teaching other people. I can tell that as well. So that's... I do. I do. In fact, all of our phones here in our office are recorded. And I love it when I get on the phone. Now, whether I bought the house or not, when I have a call that I'm like, man, students should be hearing this, right? I'll save that call. I'll save that call and we'll let our students hear it. That's the kind of stuff people need because you and I both know to be a really good, successful investor, whether it's residential, commercial, multifamily, whatever, you need to have pretty good negotiating skills. You know that when you get on the phone with somebody. You can't sound like Gomer Pyle. You, you need to know what you're doing. It's like I've heard you say, if they ask for a proof of funds letter, there's your sign right there that you're not very convincing as an experienced investor, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, I think it's very important that you be a good negotiator. Clearly. Larry, what are you excited about right now in, in your business or in life? Like, what can't you wait to do? Wow. What can't I wait to do? Well, I want to go see Eric Clapton in a couple of weeks nice. in New York City. Nice. You know, he, he does very, very few concerts now, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like a legend. So, yeah, I wanna, uh, I'm going to take my wife up there and another couple, and we're going to go up and see Eric Clapton at Madison Square Garden. That's awesome. So Larry, I really enjoyed this chat here. 
You have so many years of experience here. So where can people find out more about you and all of the awesome resources that you have? Sure, man. Just about links to everything we do is at LarryGoins.com. L-A-R-R-Y-G-O-I-N-S.com. There's info on there about our Filthy Riches model, the seller finance model. They can watch the podcast, the Brag Radio, and the Brain Pick a Pro show as well, as well as just many other tools and training and forms and documents and blog posts and all that cool stuff. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, I just took, took a listen to your podcast. You have so many, a wide variety of things, especially around mindset and things like that. So I encourage everyone listening to definitely check out Brag Radio. Really enjoyed it, Larry. You're an awesome guy. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, man, for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, man, what an interview. I'm really excited to have Larry Goins on the call today. So definitely check out his website, his Bragg Radio Network podcast. He covers so many aspects of real estate investing because he's done so many different things, especially around mindset. Really great guy, great resources. So definitely check him out as well. And just a reminder to check out the Dealmaker Live coming up November 2nd through 4th in Washington, D.C. We're almost at capacity. So get your tickets now. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash event. And also, don't forget to grab my book if you haven't already. This big yellow book here, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. It's on Amazon. It's basically my blueprint in a yellow book about how to quit your job with real estate, even if you have no experience or your own money. Spoiler alert, of course, it's with apartment buildings. But again, it's even if you have no experience or your own cash. So I kind of talk through that in detail. Awesome, guys. Well, if you love the show, leave me a review on iTunes. Love seeing those as well. And hope to see you at DealMaker Live. I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.